I like to compete. Um, I like games. My wife is like, I married somebody like that too, who she likes to compete and play games, and we really get into it around our house, uh, cards or, or Monopoly or whatever. Um, and then we joined a mission team with several other couples that went to Brazil. And, uh, and we planted this church together in Rio. It was amazing, but it was interesting because on that team, we had a very competitive team. Um, we had, through the 10 years that I was there, we had ping pong tournaments, uh, doubles ping pong tournaments. We had cornhole tournaments. We had dodgeball tournament, basketball tournaments, lots of spades tournaments. And I mean, when I say a tournament, I mean a tournament. There, was, there were brackets. There was seating there were fabulous prizes at stake, and I can tell you we all wanted to win. So you had the games, you had the competition, then you had the, the competition within the competition, the arguments about the rules, the arguments about the score. Uh, we're playing to 300. No, we decided we were playing to 500. No, we didn't. I mean, you have that. And it got testy, but it was really fun, and we really loved each other. And we would carry some loving grudges into the, you know, the next one if we lost and whatever. And sometimes there were things that happened. I mean, there was the time I broke a guy's foot in a basketball game in Rio. And I mean, actually, he stepped on my foot, right? So is it my fault that he broke his foot? No. Then there was like the 60-year-old guy at the missionary conference who I broke his rib playing basketball. But I mean, he decided to take the charge, don't take the charge. And that's not competitiveness. That's just clumsiness, if you know me. I mean, I can't help it. Sorry. You got in my way. But we're talking about um, competition and the game. And, and there's a game in particular that we want to talk about this morning. It is the blame game, and it is the oldest of all of the games. Fun for the whole family, the blame game. Adam and Eve, their family started it. They really did. You remember what happened? The garden, uh, Bordeaux talked about this a few weeks ago. The garden and the tree and the sin and the separation between God and, and people that happened. And you remember how Adam, like when God confronted him, how Adam said, you're right, God. I sinned. I blew it. I am so sorry. I repent. I take full responsibility. You remember that? No, you don't remember that, because that's not the way it happened. God confronted Adam, and he, did, and he was a master of this brand new game. The, he said, God, you made this woman. It's you, and it's, it's her fault that I sinned. And then you remember, then, then everyone looks at Eve, and she's like, it's not my fault. It was the serpent. It's the serpent's fault. And ever since then, we have been repeating this, this game where instead of taking responsibility, we like to shift responsibility over to other people. And we just do this over and over. So let's, we're going to have to talk about this this morning. And really, it's going to be, this is probably the hardest of the weeks in the, in the Peacemaker series. Because we're going to have to look in the mirror. And to get anything out of this message, we need the Spirit to speak to us. And we're going to have to be honest. And we're going to have to be humble. Uh, all of us. So let's just bow our heads. Let's talk to God about this before we get into our text. Holy Spirit, give us, give us eyes to see, to honestly see how we contribute to the dysfunction, to the anger, to the sinfulness of the conflicts and the situations that we find ourselves in. God, your word is alive and active. It is, sharp, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to penetrate even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. 
It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. And so this morning, Spirit, we open ourselves up to you. Speak. Teach. Open our eyes. Challenge us and make us more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Help us to stop playing the blame game and lead us in the way of life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's start in James chapter 3, verse 17. The wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism. It is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and will, will reap a harvest of righteousness. What is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have. You scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have. But you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within you is filled with envy? Good news here. But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives favor to the humble. So we've been over the past few weeks listening to the Spirit of God speak through stories in the Bible, speak through different texts in the Bible. We've been trying to understand what is causing our conflicts and how we can be peacemakers in those situations. And this morning is difficult because we've got to be impartial. We've got to be brutally honest with ourselves about our roles, about owning our responsibility in the dysfunction in the conflict. And so here is a simple idea that we're working with this morning. This is on your outline. I apologize to the guys upstairs. I skipped half the outline at first service, and those poor guys were struggling. I was just all over the place, but it was fun. It was a good time. But I'm going to stay on point. <laughs> so here you go. Here's the first thing, and I'm sorry, but I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? Here it goes. The common denominator in all of my conflicts is me. <laughs> Wherever I'm in a situation with someone, a, a relational situation or a conflict or there's hostilities and I'm involved, that's the common denominator. On all. I'm there. And so just kind of recognizing that I own some of this blame. And if you ever really want to get a handle on that, on that dysfunction, then you got to own up to the simple fact you are a contributor. Right? So that second point there is this. Blaming others, what does it do? Blaming others outsources 
responsibility and holds me back from growing, from becoming more mature because I'm always playing the game and I'm never owning my part. Now, put a star here and say, James, it's not his intention to make you feel guilty this morning. It is his intention to help us acknowledge that we may be causing some of the dysfunction and some of the hostility around us. And certainly, James is not trying to say that it is all your fault because James and we recognize, look, there are people who have endured abusive relationships. Some of us have really been hurt by other people, and we're not saying that didn't happen. We're not saying that it is all your responsibility, but what we are doing is we're taking this Holy Spirit suggestion to heart, and we're saying we need to own our part of it. So what the text, I think, demands from us this morning is we're, we're humble and we're honest, and we don't just call out other people. Now, we're going to call out ourselves and, uh, and grow because of that. And this idea, by the way, uh, obviously here in James, but this comes from Jesus. I mean, you remember this. I know you remember this. In Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus is talking about this. He's talking about the interpersonal conflicts, the problems we have with each other, the sin in our relationships. And Jesus says, and Jesus definitely had a sense of humor. This was funny, folks. Jesus says, you are, you are so busy trying to pick the speck out of your neighbor's eye that you haven't paid any attention to the two-by-four coming out of your eye. That's funny. I mean, imagine that scene. You're trying, to, you're trying to deal with someone else's problem, and you are blissfully unaware of your own. Right? So James and Jesus are calling us to think about ourselves, and the stakes are really high. we got to deal with this, and I've got a little video clip that will help us do this. So check this out. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out. See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like... There's this achy, I don't know what it is, and I'm not sleeping very well at all, and all my sweaters are snagged, I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Come on, if you would just- Don't! Mm-mm. That's us. 
I'm going to lie to you. This is, um, there's no magic recipe. There are no six easy steps. What, what Jesus is calling us to do, what James is calling us to do, to talk about the nail, to talk about the plank, is not an easy thing for us to do. It's not something we, we do instinctually to break out of the blame game and talk about what's going on with us. And so we've got to own the 10%, the 20%, the 30%. We've got to own our part of the mess. And we're going to start doing that this morning. Because, I mean, here's the thing. We are at our most productive in terms of dealing with conflict when we work on ourselves instead of working on others. So here we go. The plank coming out of your eye, the nail coming out of your forehead. James wants us to talk about this, and he is going to ask us a pointed diagnostic question. James chapter 4, verse 1. What is causing the root, the source? Peel back the layers, get down, dig deep. What is causing the conflict, the quarrels, the fights? And to do this, we got to dig deep. Here we go. I will grow by taking responsibility for my role in the conflict. This would be my confession. This would be my calling myself out. Instead of calling out my coworkers or calling out my neighbors or calling out my spouse, I'm going to confess my part in this. And, and this gets down to the triggers, to my hot buttons, to what, it, what is it that's setting me off? And so Paul, I mean, James rather takes us there, doesn't it? This is that next point. I will judge my motives. Talk about my core, what's going on inside. And if you've got a pen and you've got your paper outline, just circle the word my. I'm going to talk about my motives. I'm going to talk about where, I, where I'm going wrong. And he says this in verse 1. It's hard to hear, but it's true. He says, quarrels and fights, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? And while the Spirit is leading us here to explore our motives, He also challenges us to own up with this other game that we like to play. It's the comparison game. And it has never, ever made anyone more happy. It's that deal I do when I take my situation and I compare it to someone else. Ah, they have the better house. They have the better car. They have the better this. They have the better that. Their kids are, are on the, in the honor society or they're doing this and they're do, or their vacation went there and mine only went here. The comparison game doesn't help. So I will avoid falling into jealousy. This is on your outline as well. I will own up to my comparisons, and I'm just going to stop playing that game. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt said that uh, comparing is the thief of joy. It robs us of joy. James says this. He says, you are jealous of what others have. So I've got these evil desires that are in, within, in conflict within me in conflict with this beautiful nature that you and I have been given by God through Christ. You are a new creation. And these evil desires are waging war against that new, that new nature. Sometimes they're even at war with each other. And so this is my confession. It, it, it's me being real about the less than noble things that move me, that stir me, that drive me. Accepting that, talking about the plank coming out of my eye or the, or the nail coming out of my forehead and freeing myself up to start growing. 
to start becoming more and more like Jesus. And check this out. There is nothing, this is my opinion, but I think there is nothing more powerful spiritually, more disarming to the influence of Satan in your life than to find someone and confess your sins to them. It takes so much leverage away from the enemy, and it is so freeing to confess to someone else. You want to radically change a hostile climate, a hostile relationship? Start pointing out your junk instead of pointing out their junk, okay? Now, the plank in your eye, the nail in your forehead, James writes this, and and this is familiar because this is our memory verse this week, and write it on our hearts. We already read this this morning. Here we go from James 5, 16. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be... Anyone here want to be healed? I do. James is telling us this is how it works. Start confessing your sins. Let's read this together if you would. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I want that. So there are these motivations, there are these desires. Let's call these the internal games that I play within myself. And then there are these external games James has talked about. You're comparing yourself to other people, to what you perceive that they have or they don't have or their motives or whatever. And that is not a recipe, James says, for peace. It's not a recipe for inner peace. And it's certainly not a recipe for peace in your friendship, in your marriage, in your work relationship either. So stepping up and doing conflict in a healthy way, it's not enough just to own my dysfunction. Uh, It also means I am willing to step up and make some sacrifices. Make some sacrifices to bless the other person or the other people. So write this down. I will look to yield to the other person when possible. These are my concessions. Any healthy relationship has this going for it. Right? James says we will be gentle at all times and willing to willing to yield to others finally beyond making the kinds of concessions that keep any relationship moving forward going deeper i'm also going to and this is really cool i'm also going to own my calling if you are a disciple of jesus if you have accepted jesus as your lord and savior this morning there is a high and beautiful calling on your life You were called out for something great, for something amazing, something that the world desperately needs. You were called to be a peacemaker. Not a peace breaker. Not a peace faker, acting like everything's good when it's not. You were called to be a peacemaker. So I will sow seeds of peace. This is my calling and what an amazing calling it is. James writes this, those who are peacemakers, the disciples of Christ, those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and will harvest a harvest of righteousness. Now, back to the beginning as we wrap up this morning. 
we can trace this, you know, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 when we started as a race. We started playing the blame game. Adam sinned. Adam blamed his wife and God. Eve sinned. Eve blamed God. And one of the upshots of this, one of the consequences of this that still ripples in our relationships today is not only did it create a, a distance between you and I, between me and my spouse, between me and my kids, me and my friends, it created a distance between you and your God, the one who loves you more than anyone else. The blame game created this distance, this gap. And you see in Genesis chapter 3, what we did was we took God out of the center and we moved ourselves into the center. We took Christ off the throne. We said, eh, I'll be sitting on the throne. And that was the source of pretty much all the dysfunction we see in the world today. James says, and this is so beautiful, three words. He says there's a very simple thing we need to do. We need to ask God in. He says, guess what, guys? You don't have, you haven't been asking God. Ask God in. I love, my wife has a phrase. I'll, I'll just share. We were, we were taking my daughter to the airport. She's in Honduras doing an internship down there with breaking chains. And so we're taking her to the airport, and she's obviously stressed out, which started when her alarm did not go off at 3.20 in the morning. We had to leave the house at 3.30. Um, so her alarm did not go off, and she was stressed out and everything. And Isla just said to her on the way to the airport, she said, Have you prayed your welcome Jesus prayer? And Isla and Claudia both know what that means. When you're in a fix, or when your emotions are running away, have you stopped and invited Jesus in to that particular situation, to that moment? Have you asked God in? And so this morning, I get it. I said, this is, this is hard. If we really do this and take this out of here and chew on this, it's hard. And it could feel kind of daunting, kind of overwhelming, like, wow, I've got to do this inventory of my motives and owning up to my responsibility. And I, I mean, we're all so, I think, oftentimes accustomed to playing the, game, the, the blame game. It's so natural, it's so instinctive to break free from that and to start looking at myself and to think about the nail or the plank that's so hard. But I will tell you this, a really, a really good starting point this morning is what James gives us here and just saying, God, I need your help. I'm asking you in. I need to quit outsourcing responsibility. I need to stop pointing fingers. I need your help. And we can do that today. It's a good first step. And it means, verse 6 in that text, it means getting humble. God opposes the proud and favors the humble. And so we've got to be honest. We've got to be real. And that means putting God back in his place. This morning for you, it may mean that step of faith. Putting God in his place, putting Christ on the throne may mean acknowledging he is Lord, he is Savior, 
and we have a very real, tangible way that we, that we reenact this, that Jesus set up, and it is called baptism. Jesus died, he was buried, and he was raised from death to life, and every time someone is baptized, they symbolically die with Jesus, and they are buried, and they are raised to a brand new life. You talk about closing the distance. Jesus came to take that separation away between you and the Father. The Scriptures say we are now holy and blameless, without accusation, not because of all of the good things that we've done, not because we've all managed to stop sinning, but because Jesus has given us His righteousness. Amen? That's the good news. Maybe this morning what you need are just some prayers. We've all got varying levels of dysfunction going on in our world, or we're all playing different games and hostilities in different situations. It could be at work, it could be at school, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe in your living room. Get together with someone and just pray about it. And I think that's part of, honestly, of being humble, of not being too proud to say, hey, brother, hey, sister, can you pray for me? My boss and I are at odds. My teenage daughter and I are at odds. My neighbors and I, I mean, can you pray about this? God opposes the proud, but he gives favor to the humble. Let's humbly respond to him as we stand and worship.